You're listening to Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan, a For the Now media production. Hello again, and a special mention to Finland, who this week became country 43 across the world, who now download the Null and Void podcast. You're all listening to episode 150. We've got all the top sports stories, as you'd expect, World Cup drama, an unusual contact this week, a big, big get-a-grip target, and a superb guest, Victoria Monk, from the There She Rose organisation. That organisation quite rightly celebrates females participating in all sports. My name is Tony Grundy. Mine's Andy Callahan. Now, I did get the lawns cut, but I was definitely distracted by the Women's World Cup final, uh, not to miss any of that. And obviously, there were Premier League games as well. How about you? Yeah, it was um, rugby, cricket and football this weekend, as well as catching up with some friends and their two boys who are seven and six and absolutely ran me ragged. I think by the time I got back on Sunday and watched the football, I, I watched it at home on my own in a darkened room because, uh, yeah, I, I'd been run ragged by two... Uh, Two, two small dynamos. The, the energy that youngsters that age, and especially boys, and they really are roughy-tufty, crash-bang-wallop boys. They, yeah, absolutely brilliant and great kids. But, yeah, I'm uh, I'm getting too old to keep up with them. <laughs> <laughs> OK, it has to be Women's World Cup final. We talk about first. We know the result, a 1-0 defeat for England to Spain. So silver medalist position, a magnificent achievement, but not what we wanted. Disappointing though that defeat was, my assessment of what happened on the day was England lost to the better team. Spain's youth and energy in their pressing game, consistently winning the ball back quickly and then attacking England Mm. with real pace. England never really got the better of Spain in any of that. And they just couldn't cope. And as a result, too many very good players in that England team looked average, just didn't perform to their normal levels. And it was because of Spain's tactics and the energy that that youthful team got, quite apart from the brilliance of one or two of their players, particularly up front. Silver medals, yes, we've got. We've got a superb coach and a brilliant heritage for young sportswomen across the world to follow. More of that later, our guests will be with us, but it was a tournament with 32 teams and I thought it was superb. What were your memories, Andy? Really enjoyed it. And I think, as you say, Tony, you know, yes, we were all hoping that the Lionesses could bring it home on Sunday, but I think there's no no shame and no disgrace in being beaten by the better team on the day. That's football. It happens. I think some of my memories from the tournament, watching the energy in the stadiums and uh, the crowds and seeing record crowds at some of these games, you know, 70, 80,000 in Stadium Australia for the semifinals. Absolutely brilliant. Obviously, always nice um, as an English fan to get one over the Aussies in any sport. So that semifinal was a cracker and very much a nail-biter. I think that was great. I think the um, energy around the Jamaica team and the vibe and the vibrance they brought to the tournament and some of the upsets as well. You know, I think we've seen the chapter close on a, on America's dominance of women's football. I think that's good for the game. You know, yes, it will be disappointing for the American team, the American fans, but it's good for the game that you've got more teams being competitive, making it through to the latter stages of the tournament. So I think in that that respect, absolutely great. You know, some of the upsets that we saw through the tournament, really amazing. I I, I still am gobsmacked that the Netherlands got knocked out when they did because some of their play in the group stages was sublime. So I've really enjoyed the tournament. I think it's been an absolute absolute marker yet again for the women's game. We seem to be saying this every tournament we watch with the Euros last year, the Women's Rugby World Cup, now the Women's Football World Cup. Yet again, it seems to have just 
built on this. And I love that. And now I think the ball is well and truly firmly in the court of the governing bodies and authorities to say, how do we take this? How do we run with it? How do we grow it even further? How do we get that participation up? Because it's it's great that people will watch and enjoy it, but it's about inspiring that next generation. How do they do that? And I know we'll talk a bit later on about some of the good things that have happened, but also about how maybe um, our friend at the top of FIFA, your best mate, has let himself down yet again in terms of how he does that. But more of that later on. Yeah, the one thing you can say about him, he's consistent, consistently buffoon-like in his behaviour. But anyway, that's in your opinion. opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, the lawyers have told us that we've got to say that to cover ourselves. So yeah. that's to Tony's opinion, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that that do isn't reflective of the thoughts and feelings of those of us at Null and Void. All Although right. I've got to agree with him. <laughs> Premier League next. Only two games in, obviously early days, but already Everton and Wolves, teams like that, look a bit shaky, to say the least. Luton have only played one game and obviously poor them. They've just got up and now people are saying there's no way they're going to make it. They've only played one game. Anyway, um, City look fiercely strong with two wins out of two. Arsenal also the same two wins. Um, and that said, Brighton are actually top and good on them, uh, currently top, with, with losing a few players to big transfer fees. They're looking very, very strong. So we'll see how that pans out. A very, very long way to go. The two Uniteds, i.e. Newcastle and Manchester, we're on three points at the moment. So we can't say too much about anything middle table. Anyway. No, I, I had to laugh, though, at uh, former captain and pundit Roy Keane describing Manchester United as the new Spurs. I think if ever an insult was more cutting than it seemed in, in print to be described as the new Spurs, when everyone says, oh, very Spursy, I think that's uh, that, that could be the new insult. Ah, you're the new Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Roy. Anyway, let's move <laughs> on, shall we? World Athletics Budapest, loads of stuff there. Oh, oh. it's been, been fantastic. Absolutely great. Um, what a what a stadium. I mean, we were in Budapest uh, yeah. 11 years, 12 years ago, and I hadn't realised where it was on the banks of the river and uh, so close to the city. But, yeah, what a fantastic stadium. And then some of the finals, I don't know if you did. I know one of, one of the days that weekend we were there um, at an event. Uh, I took a walk around the city and went a bit further out. And I know yeah. the, uh, the, the walking final, which is always that funny one. It looks like they're... Uh, Desperately holding on to go to the loo, the way they walk in that event, the uh, the race walking. <laughs> but yeah, that finished in that square that marked, I think, the revolution. So, but yeah, amazing events. I think, you know, highlights for Great Britain and Ireland and uh, Northern Ireland team, Katrina Johnson-Thompson, KJT, uh, winning gold in the heptathlon by half a second in the 800 metres. So two days effort, six events, and then the seventh event, is the 800 metres, and it's done on points depending on where people finish and what times. And the person who was going in behind her in second in the final event was then winning the 800 metres, and KJT had to finish within, um, I think it was two seconds of her, three seconds, and she finished, uh, three seconds, and she finished within two and a half seconds of her. So, yeah, real drama there. She It looked like it had gone, and then in that final off that final bend, KJT really stretched the legs, really dug in and found it from somewhere. So I think that was a brilliant uh, gold for her. And you could see the emotion when she finished and when she realised that she'd won. I think it was a great bronze for Zarnell Hughes in the 100 metres, um, a final that was won by the US sprinter Noah Lyles. And that was a, that was a brilliant performance by Lyles. There was no way anyone was going to beat him in that final. Um, and then Britain's third medal was a silver. So we've got one of each um, in the 4x400 mixed relay. And that's where men and women, two men, two women are in the team and each runs one leg. Um, and then we were in third, Britain and Ireland. Um, but the Dutch runner, she she must have been, she was within touching distance of the tape. And then it seemed that she'd either 
tripped over her own feet or taken out by a sniper. I'm not sure which, but uh, yeah, she's just a tumble and you really felt for her. There she was, you know, about to win, take her team home to a silver medal. But because she fell and dropped the baton, then they're disqualified. And Britain then came through and finished in second. So she wasn't even able to jump up and finish third and get them on the podium because she dropped the baton. I really felt for her, you know, that being that close to a medal and then to fall like that was was horrible. But it was a, a great result for the for the British runners. Laura Muir is into we're recording on Tuesday. Laura Muir is into the 1500 meters final tonight. Um, and also running tonight in the first heat of the 800 meters is someone I'm really excited about uh, to see. Um, I think he's an outside medal hope, and that's um, Max Bergen. And the 21-year-old ran a PB in the London Diamond League event four weeks ago, um, and it would be great to see what he can do. He's, I think he's got the second or third fastest time in the world at 800 metres this year, 143.7, 143.8. So really excited about what he could do. if he can. I think if he can get through this heat and into the semis, I think he's a real chance for a medal. Disappointment for Dina Asher-Smith. Who finished eighth in the 100 metres. I think that was very unexpected. She really struggled and only scraped through in the semis. And having looked so good in the run-up to the tournament, um, even she looked a bit bemused and a bit bewildered as to what had gone wrong and what happened. And I think she said, it just hasn't hasn't happened for me uh, today and I've got to go away and look at it. But So she came eighth, but the race was won by Shakari Richardson in what was a championship record of 10.65 seconds. So Shakari Richardson has had problems with injury, with form and things like that. But I think it's one of those, you know, when, when the pressure was on and in the big, big arena, um, the cream rose to the top there with a, with a stunning championship record performance. So another three or four days of it, we've still got Keely Hodgkinson to go in the um, 800s over the next couple of days. As I say, Max Bergen, we've got some of the relays as well. Um, so plenty to look forward to. Plenty to come. Okay, uh, I got um, tennis next, and particularly a note on the Cincinnati Open took place in America this last week, ahead of the American Open, which starts on August twenty eighth. <clears throat> and in the women's uh, at Cincinnati, Coco Golf. Uh, won her third title this year, doing really well, winning comfortably in straight sets against Karolina Wichova. Whilst in a close-fought match, Novak Djokovic beat Carlos Alcaraz. Uh, I'm looking forward to next week's Open. Maybe we can get Justin uh, to come in and, and give us a, uh, uh, an insight to the Open. He always gives us a, a very detailed look, Justin Cook. So we'll... Uh, We'll, we'll work on that. Okay. That'd be great. Uh, I mean, I know our listeners wouldn't believe that we put any planning or uh, preparation into this uh, <laughs> podcast, but when we were talking last night in our editorial, we were both sat there saying, I can't believe that's come around already, you know, US I Open know. time already. But yeah, that's uh, um, amazing. well in the way. Still on tennis, and we love uh, first here on Null and Void. Well, here's one for you. A ladies' double partners have been paired to play at Wimbledon. So what, you might say? Well, Zavita Moon and Liz Simmons have been paired together, and they've only actually played six times prior to this, to make their debut at Wimbledon, of all places. But the important thing is, it's the British Masters Tournament. And they are 87 and 89 years old, respectively. Congratulations, ladies. That's absolutely brilliant. Fair play to them. Yeah, that's uh, brilliant to um, to be making their debut at the home of British tennis, I think is great. It's a good line, isn't it? We like that. OK, uh, Rugby Union next. I've just got England in capital letters, mess. That's all it says on my piece of paper I've written. Don't make me talk about it, Tony. Please don't. Come don't on, make me come talk on. about it. Silence is golden. No, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> As the tremor, was it the tremolos once sang? Um, yeah. Same again from England. Uh, they were poor in a 29-10 defeat to Ireland in Dublin. 
taking nothing away from Ireland. Ireland scored five tries to England's one. Um, but England lacked imagination. Uh, same straight-jacketed approach. Uh, one one pass out, ruck, box kick, and hope for the best when it comes back to you. And Ireland showed that if you do that against, you know, we got away with it against Wales last week. Um, but then Ireland showed if you do that against a good team, what will happen and what can okay, happen yeah. when they yeah. uh, return it with interest. On top of that, Billy Vonapola was uh, shown a red card. Very similar circumstances and similar tackle to the one that got Owen Farrell a red card last week. So, um, Big Billy, the challenge and problem there that England have is uh, his disciplinary hearing is tonight, as we record, as is now the appeal of World Rugby against Farrell's red card being overturned. We won't get into that fiasco. But the problem that Borkic has is with Billy Vernapola, he was the only specialist number eight in the squad. So if he gets a ban and a significant ban that takes him out for a part of the tournament, does Borkic have to look and say, well, we'll actually replace him? My fingers are crossed. I was saying before the when the squad was announced, the two players that England desperately needed, who they'd overlooked, was scrum half Alex Mitchell and number eight Zach Mercer. Well, Mitchell was called up after Jack Van Portvliet's injury two weeks ago and was brought into the squad. And now it could be that if Puffin Billy's uh, red card means that he's left out, could that open the door for Zach Mercer? Now, two players on their own aren't going to change the way England play and change the uh, um, the approach. I think, you know, something's got to change with the, with, with the tactics. I think, you know, just changing the personnel at the moment would be a little bit like shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic. But I think it could add some dynamism and could give a bit of hope. Um, Keith Earls scored a try for Ireland, uh, coming off the bench to get his 100th cap, um, which is a great achievement for him. The Munster man um, has been moved around winger, centre, but has been a, a stalwart for Ireland for a number of years. So great to see him get his 100th cap. Um, the big concern for the Blazers and the Alakadoos at Twickenham, uh, and Bill Sweeney must be sweating on this, is that for England's final game against Fiji on Saturday, the stadium's only currently expected to be half full. They've only sold 40,000 tickets, despite knocking the price off them and flogging them at 35 quid for adults, 40, 40 um, and even 55 for the best seats. Um, only expecting about 40,000, 45,000 to be there. And this is particularly damning because the night before, New Zealand played the Springboks at Twickenham in a warm-up game here so that they're playing in the yeah. right hemisphere a week or two out from the World Cup. Friday night, that's a sellout. Uh, so 82,000 sellouts for that game. The next day, England meant to be a World Cup finale and send-off for them to head off to France, buoyed by the support, which is what happened in previous World Cups, and they're going to be playing in front of a half-empty stadium. And if they lose, I think they'll be getting onto the Eurostar with the boos of England fans ringing in their ears. Um, so hopefully, if that is the case, it could mean <coughs> that um, Bill Sweeney's goose is finally cooked. And talking of cooked geese... Eddie Jones, fast Eddie, um, is uh, taking his pugnacious approach to the uh, Australian media again and really building up this siege mentality. Uh, he's up to his old tricks with the press. Um, he claimed the press were overly negative after he announced such a callow Australian squad, leaving out a couple of really big names. And um, in the press conference, he turned around and said to the press, uh, pack that were there. Thanks for the worst press conference I've ever had in world rugby. Well done. Worst I've ever seen. And then <laughs> as he walked off, he was heard to be muttering, go give yourselves uppercuts. So I think <laughs> Eddie's, Fast Eddie is really taking on the media there. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Is he going to prove them wrong like he's done with teams in the past, or is this the time that uh, he, he bets it all on black and it comes up red? Well, yeah, fast, Eddie. We we will see how it all pans out. Okay, um, rugby league. 
You want to talk about that? Yeah, so the Catalans are still top. Uh, they're four points clear of Wigan with five games to go after the Catalans convincingly beat Lee uh, the, a week after their cup final win um, at the weekend. Leeds extended Warrington's losing streak to seven games and Leeds are now within two points of Wire, who are in the sixth and final playoff spot. And remember, this is the Wire, Warrington side, that went 11 games unbeaten at the yeah. start of the season. They can't win for Toffee now. Seven games defeated. They really should have beaten Leeds. They took the lead three times against the Rhinos and ended up losing 24-22. So that's a side that is desperately shorn of confidence. As a Rhinos fan, I'm hoping that it continues so that Leeds can sneak into that final playoff spot, but we shall wait and see. And then for your team, Wakefield, after their some, something of a comeback renaissance over the last couple of weeks, well, I'm not saying that the fat lady is singing for them, but she's certainly going through her vocal exercises after they lost 28-12 at home to fellow strugglers, Castleford, in what was a cracking game on Friday night. Watch that game, and the scoreline doesn't do justice to the competitiveness of the game. But what it does mean for poor old Wakefield Trinity is that they're now two points adrift at the bottom of the table um, with some of the big teams still left to play. So, as I say, it's it's not quite, in the words of Kenneth Wilson's home, uh, they think it's all over. Well, it's not quite yet, but it's not far off. <laughs> And then in the Women's Super League, congratulations to the York Valkyrie. Uh, their 34-6 win over Wigan on Sunday means that they become the first team to retain the league leaders' shield. So in rugby league, you get a shield for being the top team at the end of the regular season. And then the main trophy, the Super League trophy, is in the playoffs. So uh, York Valkyrie, first women's team uh, to retain that and win it two years running. So really well done to them. Good stuff. I've got cricket next, and um, we'll talk about the 100 in a moment. But I first wanted to mention, after our earlier mention of the 87 and 89-year-old ladies making their Wimbledon debuts, the silver servers, surfers of cricket. The England over-70s team have just won a three-match, in each case, one-day international series against the Aussies. Yes, <laughs> we, we, we're desperate for a win against them at cricket. And England's final game at Colchester, they won by 54 runs. 71-year-old captain John Evans scored an unbeaten 114. Well done, chaps. That's good stuff. Good news. Brilliant. All yeah. right, yeah. As we, we said earlier, all, always love a win over the Aussies. So, uh, yeah. Um, and the 100, uh, that. Uh, really come to the boil. So um, Women's 100, we know the three teams that are into the finals weekend, confirmed. Um, and after Northern Superchargers beat Welsh Fire today, Southern Braves are top and they go automatically through to Sunday's final at Lords. Um, Superchargers and Welsh Fire will play each other again, having just played this afternoon. Um, and Superchargers won by 16 runs. They'll play each, play each other in the semi-final eliminator at the Oval on Saturday. And then the winner of that goes through to the final at Lords on Sunday to play the Southern Braves. So um, if Welsh Fire make it through, uh, World Cup winner and spin bowler, who's now also a great commentator in both the men's and women's game, Alex Hartley, that will be her final game after she today announced her retirement from all forms of cricket. So she's uh, she lost her England contract about three, four years ago, and she's now announced that having had a great season with fire, that this week will be her last game. So um, she's a great character in the sport. Hate to mention a, a rival podcast, but she does a great podcast with um, England bowler Kate Cross. They do the No Balls podcast on the BBC. Um, all about women's cricket, and it's a, a really good listen. Obviously not as good as um, the Null and Void podcast, dear listeners, but if you are looking for a good cricket podcast, then that's one that I would recommend. So great to see her potentially finishing on a high. But then her fellow um, co-presenter 
on the podcast is actually playing for the Superchargers. So one of them could end up doing the, finishing the other one's season this Saturday. <laughs> so that's the women's 100. In the men's 100, the Oval Invincibles are into the final as the top team. But the race for second and third and to play in the Eliminator on Saturday continues through this week for the final round of games with just three points separating Manchester Originals in second right down to sixth place. Each and all of those could end up in the top three and playing in the Eliminator at the Oval on Saturday after the Women's Eliminator. So Oval Invincibles are through. Um, Manchester Originals are in the box seat, but it all depends on what happens in the final round of games this week. It could be Originals, Superchargers. It could be right down to London Spirit in sixth place have got a chance of making the knockout phases on Saturday and Sunday. Okay. Uh, last sport up that I got a note of uh, that you were going to talk to was hockey. Yeah, it's a sport that we don't get to mention much on this podcast, but it's been the Euro Hockey Championships this week in Germany. So England, Ireland and Scotland women's teams have been taking part and England and Wales uh, men's teams have been taking part. Um, uh, in the men's, England beat Austria and lost to Belgium. And it means that they need to beat Spain, that is, as we're recording, is being played tomorrow on Wednesday to qualify for the semi-finals at the weekend. So the men's team have won one, lost one, depending on what happens in their final game. I think it's a straight shootout. Whoever wins goes through to the semis. Uh, in the women's uh, group, England beat Ireland 3-0 and beat Scotland 5-0 to qualify for the semi-finals. They were well beaten by Germany in their other game. But England will now play Netherlands in the semi-finals on uh, Saturday. And the Netherlands are unbeaten in their group. They've looked particularly dominant. But so I think England will go into that as second favourites. But great to make it through what was a tough group. And obviously, um, home nation bragging rights by beating Ireland and Scotland in their group games. But yeah, we'll see how they go against the Netherlands, who um, obviously were the team that lost to Great Britain um, in the Olympic final in 2016 when the uh, British team won the gold. So and the Netherlands are always very, very strong in the sport. So, yeah, next week we'll give you an update, folks, on um, whether the men's team made it through to the semis and then how the teams get on this weekend. OK, nice to hear about hockey for a nice change. Right, um, contacts. <laughs> yeah. Slightly different contacts this week, and this is a very personal message from me to you, dear listener. I want to tell you a story. Sir Michael Parkinson died at 88 years old last Thursday at his home in Bray in Berkshire, surrounded by his family. It was a big blow to me and my family. Through my dad's workplace friendship with Mike at Granada Television, I became a friend spanning over 60 years, and of course, with his wife, Mary, and the children. Okay, you might say, what's all that got to do with Null and Void? Reasonable question. Well, it was Mike's love of all sports that is the link. When I first chatted to him as a young teenager, I found him so easy to talk to, particularly about sport, and our mutual love of George Best, who was just emerging on the scene at that time, it was that long ago, uh, was always the first on the chat agenda that we had when he came around for a drink with Dad. Mike, of course, over time became a world-class TV interviewer and radio presenter. But he would have given all of that up, I can tell you, to become a professional cricketer with his beloved Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Mike actually was a very talented left-hand opening bat, and he played for Barnsley. That's a very good level in Yorkshire League. But he failed trials with Yorkshire, and he always said that's what he'd have preferred to do. Dickie Bird, the umpire, and Jeff Boycott became great friends of his over the years, as many other people did. In fact, one of Mike's last public appearances was in April this year at Dickie Bird's 90th 
birthday party. On a couple of occasions, I was lucky enough to play with my dad and Mike in charity cricket matches. Mike was a true friend to me and the family, and he would always be available to chat on the phone. He even attended my dad's funeral many years after they had worked together in TV. I last spoke to him in April, and at the end of the chat on the phone, he said, Tony, ring me when it gets a bit warmer and we will go out for lunch, is what he said. Now, we can't go for that lunch, uh, but I've got some lovely, lovely memories of a true family friend and an all-round good guy, R.I.P. Parkey. Now, I sent a letter of condolence on behalf of our family to Mike's PA, Teresa, and just to say how sad we were about it. And she actually, this morning, despite the busyness she must have, replied. And she said, Dear Tony, <clears throat> Mary and her boys want to thank you for your kind and thoughtful message. Yours and others like it will give us all great comfort and strength during the process of coming to terms with such a great loss. Thank you again, Teresa. Thoughts go to him and his family and his friends, including you, Tony. Um, I didn't know Parkey, but I used to love watching his interviews, and particularly uh, the interviews with Billy Connolly as someone who grew up as a youngster, stealing my dad's records and cassettes of Billy Connolly, um, listening to material that I really shouldn't have been listening to at a young schoolboy age. Um, used to love the interviews that Parky did with Billy Connolly. You never knew where they were going to go or what that was going to what was going to be said in those interviews. And it always left the audience at home and the audience in the studio in absolute tears of laughter. So, uh, yeah, real shame to um, hear that he's passed away. Yeah. So that's a big memory for me. And we'll move on, shall we? Because it's quite emotional. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> talking about Michael Parkinson, he interviewed Billy Connolly 15 times on the Parkinson chat show. <laughs> he did that because Connolly was very funny and entertaining. Why not? The subject of tonight's Get a Grip has appeared on a number of occasions already uh, with us. Why has that happened? Well, in reality, it's because tonight's subject, Gian Gianni Infantino, the president of FIFA, the world's most powerful organization in football, is basically a first class pillock, in my opinion. During the Men's World Cup in Qatar, where their human rights records and treatment of women is albeit not very good, let's put it that way. And in an attempt to be seen to be a man of the people at that time, said some very strange things. And he went through a whole list. I'll just quote a couple of them. He said, trying to be a man of the people. Today, I'm a construction worker. Today, I am gay. And he went through a whole load of these. And at the end of it, that I suppose wanted a round of applause. But in fact, one of the things he'd done is miss out 50% of the world's population. Because at no point did he say, today, I'm a woman. Interesting for somebody who this week was pontificating at the Women's World Cup, talking to officials uh, and players, he actually said, as far as he's concerned, the door for equality for the women is open and only needs to be pushed wider. Bear in mind, he's the most powerful man in world football. And he said, you have got to convince us men how embarrassing Just also during, during the, if, if that wasn't enough also in his state because he is so pleased with himself he got fifa on his behalf to contact the state police in three of the states in australia to have a police escort wherever he went and good on them uh they all three states said no because that's normally for heads of state that's how he sees himself. He's an arrogant person, but he's embarrassing. And, and 
you know, so Infantino, you're well ahead in the null and void get a grip stakes in terms of how many times you can be the subject. A prize only earned by a particular high level of stupidity. So yet again, Infantino, get a grip. Yeah, I mean, just unbelievable after what was a great tournament and everything that it has done to yet again raise the profile of women's football. And as ever, the head of FIFA with one um, self-aggrandizing speech tries to undermine everything that's been achieved. Um, yeah, I think the Australians have a great phrase about someone being a raw prawn. And I think that would be a great description of our mate, <laughs> or your best mate. What's the expression? A raw prawn? A raw prawn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's definitely not my favourite. So we move on to more positive subjects, don't you think so? Yeah. Definitely, yes. Well, non-avoiders will remember that around Easter this year, we brought you a slightly unusual sports story. It was about four women who were preparing to walk, carrying their rowing boat above their heads, 100 miles from Winchester to Eastbourne. Why? That was one of my first questions at the time. We spoke to team leader Victoria Monk then, and we learned so much more about their aims, particularly the mere fact that towards the end of this year, they're going to cover 3,000 miles not carrying it above their heads, but 3,000 miles rowing across the Atlantic. We thought with the Lionesses um, doing so well in Australia, how good would it be to get uh, Victoria back to talk about? Because a lot of There She Rows, the organisation that Victoria is part of, is about empowering females to participate in sport, particularly after they've left school. And I think the boost that the Lionesses' performance brings to uh, uh, women's sport, football in particular, but all sports, I think it's a great time to get Victoria back. What do you reckon, Andy? Definitely. Yeah, really excited to hear what she's got to say, both in terms of the legacy from the World Cup and building that, but also to get an update on how the team are going in their preparations uh, for that mammoth row across the ocean. So yeah, really pleased to welcome back Victoria. Victoria, how are you doing? Hi Andy, hi Tony, so nice to see you both again. Thanks for having me back. I am so excited to chat to you both, um, mainly about the Lionesses, because wow, what a month it's been. Um, yeah, it's just been so amazing to follow it all. Heartbreak, personal heartbreak aside. Have, have you been following it on a daily basis? Has it been part of your routine yeah yeah absolutely it has I've absolutely loved watching it um obviously you know being based here in the UK the timings haven't been um totally favorable so I haven't been up kind of watching the matches at 3 a.m but anything anything past about 8 a.m uh yeah I've had on the TV and it's just been the most incredible tournament to follow the standard of football the skill on show the personalities the rivalries the entertainment everything has been um really showing women's sport in its best light do you get quite emotional when you're watching football can you tell tony (laughs) 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 um yeah I, i mean i do i think particularly um you know the lionesses i'm just so personally invested in their story what they're doing for you know yes football but also much broader than that to your point how they're inspiring a nation of not just little girls but little boys and little girls um and really being the role models um and providing that you can see it you can be it to inspire kids all over the country to get into football um and also you know they the lionesses are inspiring people to get into football but really they are leading the way in women's sport um and they're kind of you know their role models much much broader than just the kind of football players when they're on the pitch so I'm emotional when I watch them because I just love the lionesses and also because I'm now so invested in them that my heart is fully fully on that tv screen as I'm watching 
Yeah. My, my daughter lives in Australia and works in Australia, uh, married to an Australian, but they, they were watching it all. And she said on Sunday, even though the disappointment of defeat, uh, she said, you would not believe the level of interest this has created all around us in every way. And I, I, that's something that, I mean, as you'd imagine in Australia, like the Euros when it was here, uh, I'm not surprised at. But do you think the kind of heritage that's going to come from this is, you know, I think there's been a massive move toward the importance of, of, of women's sport, female sport. But this was going to give it such a lift, isn't it? A hundred percent. And I think, you know, when exactly to your point there, Tony, when you take away the, you know, as, um, you know, three, I guess, assuming Lionesses fans sitting around the virtual table here, when you take away the, you know, personal disappointment of them not coming out victorious on Sunday, you actually look at the bigger picture and the impact that the World Cup has had on a global level. I mean, I also have friends who are living out in Australia and men, women, they were saying that it's all anybody has been talking about and everybody has been doing anything that they can to try and get hold of tickets, to watch it with friends, to really get behind it. So, um, you know, and the I'm sure you will all, you'll have seen the stats that are coming off the back of that. It's the Australia semi-final match was the most watched TV pro broadcast in the past decade. So, um, you know, the the feeling as is there also the numbers are there to back it up so that's you know what's happening in Australia but we've also seen similar impacts across the globe I've seen TV records broken in Spain in Japan in the UK so it's really having that that global knock-on effect for women's sport and you know when you take away your UK hat and look at that bigger picture you just go it's it has been um and obviously you know as I said backed up by the talent on the pitch it's the first kind of women's um world cup where we've seen you know some nations competing for the very first time and doing exceptionally well so um yeah, yeah it's that global impact that it's having that's um really amazing to see and then you mentioned there about it, it goes beyond just football Victoria but I guess um, for a lot, of, for a lot of the world, where football leads, other sports follow, and almost I think. Do you think that this year, I, I particularly have noticed if you look at the coverage that the women's Ashes got, we've had record crowds both in the women's rugby World Cup and then this year at the Six Nations. Do you think a lot of that has almost come from that spark from the Euros last year that we've almost now it, it's it's created a bigger fire. Um, absolutely. I mean, women's women's football is spearheading the way, but the broadcast stats are telling us that women's football is attracting new fans, new sports fans into sport for the very first time. So how amazing is that? People who've never watched sport before are yeah. coming in and watching women's football. And then when they're coming into women's football... 80% of them are coming back to watch it again. So when they've seen it, they think, how good How good is that, this? What if I come back and watch it again? And then the stats say that they're coming in, they're watching women's football, and then they're going on to watch other things. So then they're going on to watch, oh, I wonder what women's cricket is like. Oh, I wonder what women's rugby's like. So actually, exactly as you say, women's football is leading the way and actually pulling up the kind of... Um, the viewership and exposure for all these other sports as well. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of showing, proving that the appetite is there, and that when you when you show women's football and women's sport, people want to watch it, and then they're coming back to watch more. So, um, yeah, it's it's hugely hugely positive. Um, I mean, there's still a long way to go. Don't get me don't get me wrong. Uh, you kind of touched on some of the kind of elements earlier and you know we can come on to it but um overriding feeling is hugely positive but yeah we just got to kind of keep moving forward now in terms of the project you've got how important is this i it you know you must be or people on your behalf talking to potential sponsors how important is this in terms of lifting the whole profile it must make that job i don't mean easy but easier 
Totally, completely and utterly because, you know, the line, like the impact of the Euros last summer and then into this, you know, World Cup and when that's just looking at football, but when we're looking at, you know, the impact that the Women's Rugby World Cup had and Women's Netball World Cup this year, it's, it's yeah. you know, suddenly women's sport is at the forefront of the conversation um and so it does make it our uh, conversation the door is um you know not to use that awful turn of phrase that's just been that's just been battered around by that yeah. awful man yeah. but, um it does it does mean that the door is slightly cracked ajar for us and it allows us to you know wedge our way in and open a conversation and say you know look well, look what's happening on the elite stage how can we actually now you know we want to make a difference at the at the grassroots level as well so that we can continue to inspire that next generation that are coming through so they are absolutely everything and I don't know if I mentioned this last time but uh did I mention this our ocean rowing boat is actually named after the lionesses so they are absolutely uh um you know our idols and um you know they're they're what they're doing inspires us and everything everything that we're doing as well perfect now i don't think you mentioned that that's brilliant yeah no that that is wonderful and wonderful time and that we've got you tonight and and when you look at your program now in terms of where you are my understanding was the atlantic crossing was going to be uh towards the end of this year is that still all on plan victoria everything's still on track yes brilliant well done well done Oh, we're getting there. Yeah, it's crazy where the past kind of few months have gone. Um, and December suddenly seems like it is hurtling over the horizon at quite a rapid pace. Um, but we are getting there. Yeah, we've done um we've done all of our required training now. Um, we've done all of our relevant kind of navigation and sea survival, and we're fully kind of qualified and geared up and ready to go. So everything that we're doing now is kind of really final preparations um before our boat gets shipped so our boat gets shipped to the start line kind of two months before we set off so the next six weeks are kind of final final preparations before um our boat named after the lionesses gets shipped out to Lagomera. Which, which is the balance excitement or terrified or, or a mixture <laughs> of both <laughs> um i would say overwhelming feeling is excitement complete excitement um but also you know there is definitely apprehension sprinkled in the mix as well I think um you would be naive not to be slightly apprehensive about what's to come given the magnitude of the of the challenge um but yeah overwhelming feeling is excitement and just um you know how am I holding down my day job alongside all the final preparations and everything else? It's just, I, I mean, how much yes, time yeah. are you and the team having to put in on these final preparations now, Victoria? And what does that entail? Give our listeners a flavour of what are some of the key things you're having to do now? So we spend about two hours in the gym every day. Um, that's, and excuse my attire, I've just come straight off the rowing <laughs> machine this evening. Um, but uh, yeah, two hours in, in the gym and then we do a full day of our normal day jobs uh, and then we come off the back of that and we'll spend two or three hours in the evening doing um, work at laptops. So that's kind of sorting out our um, like kind of rowing routes, navigation, admin, sponsorship, fundraising, all of the things that kind of go into the broader campaign. And then on a Friday afternoon, we leave work and we get the train down to Devon um I'm based in London so that's about a four or five hour journey and then we get on our ocean boat and we row for the duration of the weekend two hours on two hours off um for the entire time and then Sunday evening we bomb it back to London Monday morning we're back in the gym again and then back at our desks at by nine and the whole thing starts again so it's um it's quite I, t- on. I, I tell you what I mean it it just in those few sentences, it's like, I'm thinking, oh, my God. But, but so fantastic that you've been able to do that. It, it, during that time, it's just something that came into my head is, has there been a sort of 
one moment you could sort of look and say, on that day, absolutely knew we were online and we we're going to do it. Something just happened. Uh, or have there been other days where you thought, this is never going to happen? I guess <laughs> both things, both emotions at some point. But what would the bit, the high beat bit, would there be something you'd point to and say, when that happened, I just knew? We, well, I think, you know, the past kind of couple of um, training weekends have been, you know, finally things are starting to fall into place. We know how to use the boat because it's obviously quite technical out there, all this navigation, <laughs> pieces of kit, knowing how to use our water maker and you know even just rowing at night and these kind of things and coming off the back of one of our training weekends a couple of weeks ago and all of a sudden things clicking into place and everything not feeling quite so foreign anymore and actually thinking you know what we've actually we you know got the hang of this yeah Yeah. I mean (laughs) it's gonna be bloody tough but you know we feel prepared and ready for it um, but then in answer to your, you know, the other end of the spectrum, it's, you know, some days it just still feels like you've got a mountain to climb in terms of we're still looking for, you know, we've as we've come a long way on our sponsorship, but we've still got sponsorship to raise. There's still kind of admin we need to do, qualifications that we kind of need to get kind of um, crossed off. So some days you're looking there, you're thinking, Gosh, am I ever? Were we ever going to make it to the start line? Mm-hmm. Um, but the team are absolutely fantastic, and somehow we're putting one foot in front of the other, and we are getting closer to the start line. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's all coming together, and it's very, very exciting. I mean, I've been following the team on social media through your through your journey, and some you know some of the uh, clips that have been up with team members suffering from seasickness and. Things like I think is it ginger biscuits have been a big help with the uh, with the seasickness, but it, obviously I, I I could get my head around the the physical challenge when you were talking about it previously, but following your journey, it's all the other bits that layer onto that. So you know, it's not just the physical challenge, is it? In terms of the the actual rowing, but as you say, all the other bits, the admin, the the being away at sea for that long, the having to navigate and everything else. So, yeah, it just sort of, yeah, it must seem like a, a huge undertaking. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Andy. I mean, people will say to me, you know, how's training? And, you know, it's it's lovely and it's amazing that people are interested and they want to ask you about it. But I say training is the fun part. You know, training <laughs> is the bit that's like, you know, really fun. It's everything else that goes into it that's like this, mm. you know, the stress that you're trying to navigate. It's all of these new skills. You know, I don't come from a sailing background or a kind of water based background. So it's a whole new skill set as well as raising the sponsorship, as well as, you know, trying to do everything we can for our overarching mission, which is about inspiring girls through what we're doing and trying to get the maximum reach and exposure through kind of PR and marketing and everything that we're doing so that we can have that impact. Um, So it's actually all of these other things. And as well, you know, I don't know if you remember, but we are, we were four strangers previously. So there's been a whole piece as well around, you know, the team dynamic and making sure that we know each other and we gel and we know each other's, you know, trigger points so that we don't push them when we're in the middle of the Atlantic <laughs> and we know how to motivate one another and, you know, all of these different things. So we've been working with psychologists and team dynamic coaches and, um, you know, it's multi multifaceted because the last thing you want is to be as fit as possible and then you get to the middle of the Atlantic and suddenly you have a big bust up with your teammates. So <laughs> Two of them jump over the side. I've, I've had exactly. enough. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. We're swimming time, Tiga. <laughs> but it, 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 it could not possibly be simple. But when you describe it, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you realise just how complex it is. But there's a lot of people wishing you well, and clearly you're back on null and void, and and that's important. Hopefully, any publicity is is helpful, and we'll we'll come to the final plans at the latter part of this. But if we could do here the business end of things, and saying if there's people listening to this, and you know we've got people running companies and all sorts of things, if they said, you know, how do we sponsor the girls? How do we do it? 
just explain exactly how they do it, what the benefit of that will be, because you're actually raising funds for other organisations as well, like Women's Sports Trust. You know, so it's it's multifaceted, this, but if they want to do it via you, how do they go about it, Victoria? So there's, I guess there's two main things. So number one is we are raising funds for charity, Women's Sport Trust being one of them. Um, so either they can go to our GoFundMe, you can just type in There She Rose into Google and it's the pretty much the first link that comes up and that money directly goes straight to our charities. But if there are people out there who want to help us actually get to the start line, because obviously there's lots involved, then we also have um, you know, a kit list. People can donate specific things from our kit list, everything from our you know, emergency kind of thermal wear to kind of communications devices and everything else, or alternatively, um, you know, email us or follow us on, on Instagram if there's something specific that, you know, might work for your company. If you want us to come in and do a talk, for example, or if you're interested in, um, you know, some uh, another kind of sponsorship, then we'd absolutely love to to hear from you. Um, and our Instagram is at there she rose or reach out on email at there she rose at gmail.com and yeah we'd absolutely love to have a conversation and appreciate you um you giving me the airtime for that tony yeah well we we will make sure in the links for the podcast for this week andy looks in charge of that side of things that we include those links there so because i think it's important that every opportunity and you never we just had finland join us this week as the 43rd country downloaded who knows where these people are we don't know who those people are <laughs> but you know you just never know who's listening at any given time and that's the exciting thing about podcasts particularly when the story is as compelling as this one so that will definitely be in the links but so forward now to the next few weeks you know did you say november you whispered that november <laughs> so <laughs> We uh we our boat gets shipped in October, um and then we will leave in November and then we actually push up so we will leave the UK in November the end of November to fly out to Lagomera. We have about two weeks of kind of pre race checks, inspections, health and safety, all that kind of thing, and then we actually set off on the twelfth of December. So um the kind of we've got six weeks before our, our boat gets shipped and actually next week we are off on a five-day row starting in Falmouth in Cornwall and finishing in Lymington via the Isle of Wight so if there's anybody who is listening who's based on the south coast then keep your eyes peeled on the horizon for a little rowing boat trundling past. <laughs> you might not be in any physical shape to contact us but if you'd sent us a note to say how that went We'd love yeah. to hear and follow the progress through. We, we particularly on Null and Void, have followed women's sport. We obviously interviewed you a time ago, but it, it's not a one-off. We do this on a regular basis, and we really would like, because we've got that November target for you guys, we'd really like to almost like it a weekly bulletin, you know, written, so, you, you know, just type it out and send it to us, and occasionally as we get closer, we might get you in front of us again. Um, but w- would you do that for us? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, we can. Um, we might not, uh, depending on how things go out there, we yeah. might or might not have um, access or the capacity pe- bearing how seasickness no, is shaping no, up. No, I understand that. I mean, I mean, before you go in the build up, yeah. because I want I want the null and voiders to be part of that process. We understand the difficulties thereafter and we have to give and take on that. But it would be lovely to to get the excitement that clearly we, the three of us tonight, can generate uh, going forward for our listeners. Because the one thing we know about them is they might not have ever rowed a boat in their lives, but they love stories. They love to know what makes people like you, Victoria, tick. And, and so do we, because that's that's a fascination. You know, how on earth does this girl do this? <laughs> uh, again, you've proven uh, part of that is your sheer enthusiasm for your task. And that that's lovely, lovely to hear it. Andy? I, I'm just laughing, Tony, at the fact that Victoria's just told us about all of the admin and the tasks and everything else they've got to do 
before going and you've just added another thing to the list. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, Victoria, it took me no time at all to come up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see uh, this as an admin task. <laughs> yeah, 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 but no, we, we, we really enjoyed having you with us. Is there any particular message that you would like to pump in? I, I know that there are organisations that surround you and, and you've got people, uh, is it Tammy? Uh, uh, at, at, Tammy um, yeah, uh, 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 Women's uh, Sports Trust and, it, and the consultancy on site who are developing the research that helps with the sponsorship. And I'm sure there's going to be reams of stuff coming out, not just as it was previously 18 years plus information but younger to get to that young market because i think you know I've, I've been in marketing all my life and and as a company you're always looking for the opportunity to say that's our market that's who we want to get to and i think if we can demonstrate that younger market is so keen to know more that's going to be another part of information that's going to come your way even in the next couple of months towards that start line yeah yeah a hundred percent. Yeah. And yeah, all the work that Tammy and the rest of the Women's Sport Trust team are doing, uh, you know, is instrumental in actually driving the agenda forward, as you say, at that kind of elite level, pushing for go governance, pushing for more investment, pushing for more visibility from media and broadcasters. Um, so, yeah, it, it's amazing to kind of be able to contribute in some way. And all, you know, I will say is, hopefully our story whoever is you know listening you know obviously we are targeting that dropout rate for girls in sport um but for anybody listening if we can cross the Atlantic Ocean in the tiny rowing boat having never rowed before then hopefully you will feel inspired to put on a pair of running trainers or try your park run or give that rugby training a go or even just you know popping down to your local pool or going for a walk or whatever it looks like for you um hopefully that's the kind of the, the parting message that we we want to kind of leave what a message to finish on that's brilliant yeah um inspirational as well i think you know what you and the team are doing is amazing and uh yeah really excited to see how things go over the, the next few weeks and yeah definitely excited to see how you get on in the Falmouth to Lymington uh five days giving it uh sort of a, a real uh test run I would say a dry run but I think it'll be anything but <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one actually Andy I'm gonna use that again when I'm talking to people <laughs> you can have it for free <laughs> thank you so much for joining us and I know you've literally just come off a rowing machine to be with me. <laughs> And indeed, although we haven't had the pleasure of meeting the other ladies and the team, great good luck to them as well. We really do uh, think what you're doing is significant and we'd like to follow the story as best we can over these coming weeks. So thank you thank very you much. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you stuff. so much. It is always a joy to talk to you both. So really Steve. appreciate you reaching out. And um, yeah, keep in touch. I'll definitely keep you updated and um, hope to speak soon. Brilliant. Cheers, Thank you. Victoria. Take care, Take care. Bye, bye. 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 Well, what brilliant interviewer, interviewee she is. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think the the story that they've got to tell as a group, and um, as Victoria said, none of them really rode before they come from a non-rowing background. So it's not even... You, you couldn't make it up, could you? I mean, yeah. in any sense, you wouldn't make it up that way. You wouldn't say, let's take four people who've never rowed before. Yeah. Mm. So what they've achieved in the time since Easter, not that long ago, is fantastic. But you can see how, and, and there will be three other very strong personalities in that team, but the strong influence that Victoria clearly has. Uh, she It's infectious, isn't it? Her enthusiasm. Really, yeah. And you can see how people will and buy into that encouragement that engagement to get back into sport um because it's such a great message that they've got as a team such a great mission that they've got behind this endeavor as well and as she says on top of the uh just the physical challenge the logistical challenge the fact that they're doing that and then on top of that really spreading that empowering message i think is 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 fantastic yeah. and uh yeah you know really 
I've loved following their story on Instagram. I will, as we said, include that um, with our blurb that we put in um, on our on the podcast uh, each week. So um, people, our listeners can also get involved, follow them online and get some of the updates from them because, yeah, you know, what they're doing is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that's a, that's a lovely, lovely episode. Enjoyed it very much. There's some great material in there. And Victoria, icing on the cake, really. Fantastic story. And yes, we wish them all the best and we'll definitely follow them. You null and voiders, I'm sure you'll be pushing us to do that anyway. Okay, that brings us to the close of this episode. As ever, make sure you're with us next week at a time and a place that suits you. There's so much more coming your way. Is American Open coming in tennis? There's just so much coming your way. World Cup, rugby, you name it, it's coming toward you. Listen out for us. We'll be with you. We look forward to it. See you later. Bye-bye. Cheerio, folks. Null and Void with Tony Grundy and Andy Callahan. Together, they don't add up to much. If you have a sports story, you can contact the team on nandv at forthenow.co.uk. 